Welcome to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. As a veteran senior pastor, Dr. Sullivan understands the importance of Bible teaching in the spiritual growth and development of God's people. Dr. Sullivan's method of teaching the Bible is to read and carefully explain each chapter and verse in clear and understandable terms so the student of the Bible gains the full understanding of God's Word. Now prepare yourself to learn and grow as Dr. Sullivan teaches through the Bible. Hello. Welcome to the Heaven and Eternal Life Seminar. I'm Dr. Ken Sullivan, founding pastor of New Direction Christian Church in Indianapolis. In our first segment, we talked about what happens after death. For this segment, let's examine details of what our new resurrection bodies will be like and about what the new earth and the new heavens will be like. There's some important facts about our resurrection bodies that I want to share with you today. Did you know our bodies and minds will be far superior to what they are now? But we'll still keep our identities. Just as a butterfly is a continuation of a caterpillar, our immortal resurrected bodies will be a continuation of our mortal earthly bodies. We will have brand new bodies. I like the, uh, the illustration of the caterpillar to a butterfly. I think that that is one of the most amazing examples of the transformation process that will take place uh, in our lives when Christ returns again. A, a caterpillar begins an earthbound little creature like a worm, and he crawls around on the earth, um, eating his way, getting fatter and fatter, preparing for his transition. Uh, at the time of the transformation of his life, he attaches himself under a, a leaf or under a bush or, or in a tree somewhere. Some caterpillars spin a cocoon around them. They use the material uh, around them to make a, a, a cocoon. And they spin it around them and they, and they enter in this cocoon. Uh, and, and the transformation takes place. There are some uh, kind of caterpillars that, that actually their bodies split and form a pouch called a pupa. And inside that pupa, these little creatures turn to a liquid. They attach themselves and they hang there. And the transformation process takes place inside of the cocoon or inside of the pupa. The body of the caterpillar in the pupa turns to liquid. And then, as time transpires, it grows little spindly legs. The body slims out. It, it forms a, a new slender body. It grows wings and antennae. And then at the right time, when the body is completely formed, uh, the butterfly inside cuts a little slit and squeezes out through that little slit, spreads its wings, and flies away. I think that when God created these tiny little creatures, he was giving us an illustration of what is going to take place in our lives in the future. When Christ comes back, we're going to be transformed from these earthbound mortal creatures that we are now to glorified immortal beings with bodies like Jesus' glorified body. We have a glorious future ahead of us, and we have much to look forward to. Our bodies will be stronger. We'll have brand new bodies, the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44, and I'm reading in the New Living Testament, 
Paul said our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They're buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. But just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. So right now we have these weak mortal bodies, but when the transformation takes place, when Jesus Christ comes again and, and we are suddenly transformed, we will have glorified bodies that will be strong and powerful. Our berries are buried, our bodies are buried as weak mortal bodies, but they rise again as strong, powerful, glorious bodies. We will be like Jesus, the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 2. We will be like Jesus. And then Luke 24, 38 and 43 says, Jesus had a spiritual body, but it was flesh and it was bone. He ate food and he even showed them the holes in his body. His resurrection body bears the scars representing the price of our salvation. So we will remember after Jesus' resurrection, he had them to come, especially Thomas, who doubted that he had been raised from the dead. And he said, come here, Thomas, and, and thrust your finger into the wound in my hands and, and reach into the wound in my side, the hole in my side, and, and stop doubting and believe. And Thomas felt him. His expression was, my Lord and my God. He was convinced that Jesus had been indeed raised from the dead. So our, our bodies will be like his glorious body. Of course, Jesus has been resurrected. He bears the scars in his body, but they are only emblems of what he suffered for us. They are not raw. They are not uh, sore and painful. The pain is gone. They are just there to remind us of the awful price that Jesus Christ paid for our salvation and for us to have a body like his own body. So we are going to have brand new glorified immortal bodies that will be strong and powerful and glorious and beautiful like Jesus' glorious body. But not only that, we're going to have brand new minds, minds that will be far more intelligent, more, far more capable of the minds that we have now. We will be more like the angels than the mortal beings that we are. The Bible says that we will experience an explosion of knowledge and intelligence. We will understand the most complex concepts with ease. We will have eternity to learn new things and a perfect immortal brain with which to learn it all. So uh, we will have an explosion of knowledge. There will be an explosion of capacity. We will have a much greater capacity to understand things. Hence that old song that says we'll understand it better by and by. God will be able to to explain things to us that we will be able to understand that we will never be able to understand with our mortal brains as they are now. We will have immortal brains. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 12, Paul said as much. He said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. 
But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. So you see, while we are in these mortal bodies, compared to the angels, and certainly compared to God, we don't even measure on the scale. But compared to angels, we are like children in our thinking. Uh, the greatest mind, Albert Einstein, or, or great men who were able to reason and do great things with their, with their minds, Sir Isaac Newton and, and uh, George Washington Carver and great men uh, like they were, they were like children compared to the angelic hosts, the minds of angels. Uh, they had great minds as it relates to mortal minds, but, but we, will, uh, we will explode in our understanding and in our intellect when Christ comes back and the transformation takes place. Imagine how much knowledge and information a person could accumulate in a thousand years of learning and never forgetting any of what has been stored in his brain. This is how we will be when we become immortals. We will have minds that do not forget, but we'll have minds that retains everything. Uh, the tendency to forget stuff, the tendency to lose stuff, to uh, not remember, not be able to comprehend, uh, that is a part of the, the taint of sin. Our bodies are imperfect and they are degrading with each generation. But we will have minds that will retain everything that is presented to it. So imagine living a thousand years and, and learning and learning and with a perfect mind and never forgetting any of what you learned. Um, anyone who had that capability would be a ruler of the world, would, would, would rule this whole place. And, and, and those who are, are mortal would have childlike minds. So... God is going to expand our capacity to know and to learn and to grow. We won't know everything. We won't be omniscient. But as God's children, we will be able to learn and to grow. And throughout eternity, we will increase in our knowledge. That's a wonderful thing to look forward to. There is, there is much for us to anticipate and look forward to uh, in the transformation in the future in heaven and in the new heavens and the new earth that are going to, to take place that we'll talk about in just a minute. Paul says, we will be raised in power, 1 Corinthians 15, 43. Compared to our present weak and mortal state, we'll be a race of perfect super beings with perfect health. We'll surge with power and energy. We will be immortals. You know, as a, as a child growing up, I used to read the, uh, the comic books, the, the Marvel comic books, and that's how I spent my summer. My, my, my brother and I, we had a collection of comic books, and we had built an old tree house down behind our house that, that, uh, that uh, hung out over a pond, and, and we would go up in our tree house with our box of comic books, and we would read. We'd read about the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk and and the X-Men and all of these Marvel comics, and we'd read the DC comic books about Superman and Green Lantern and, 
and all of Aquaman and all of these uh, great superheroes. And we would imagine ourselves um, uh, possessing bodies like theirs, being able to do the wondrous things that they are able to do. Well, the Bible tells us that compared to our existence now, we'll be like the superheroes of the, of, of the comic books. Uh, the Bible says we will be as the angels, and angels are powerful and great beings with great minds and great intellects, and they are ancient beings. They've been around a long time, and, and they're able to, to perform great feats. The Bible says that we will be equal to the angels, and in fact, there is one passage where Paul says that we, the people of God, when we're transformed, we will rule over angels. The Bible says that we will judge angels. And so we have a great future to look forward to. The Bible gives us information on what our future is going to be like. And I believe that knowing these things should encourage us to look forward to the future, not to recall with fear and dread, but to look forward to a better state, a better status a transformation that is going to take place. And we will have all of these wonderful things, and we will be with Jesus forever and forever. Now, let's talk about the new heaven and the new earth. God is going to do a wondrous thing. He's going to come to earth. He's going to transform us. He's going to take us with him to heaven. And then he's going to come to this earth and he is going to rule for a thousand years in what is called the millennial reign. He's going to transform the earth for a thousand years. But at the end of that thousand years, uh, he is going to renovate the earth or this earth is going to be destroyed. And he is going to recreate new heavens and a new earth. And that's what the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So uh, at the end of God's rule on earth, Jesus Christ and the saints will rule. And in the book of Daniel it says, And the kingdom shall be given to the saints of the Most High God. And he will rule forever and forever. Well, the beginning of this will be a thousand-year reign upon the earth that has been refurbished and renewed and made again like the Garden of Eden. But at the end of that thousand years, the whole, this old earth will be transformed and there will be a new earth. Uh, some scholars suggest that this earth will be completely obliterated, done away with, and a completely new earth and new heavens will come into play. And then there are scholars who believe that this earth will be renovated by fire. The old earth will be renovated by fire and a new earth will be created. New heavens and a new earth will be created in its place where righteousness dwells. But listen to what Peter says. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming, not recall from it. Speed is coming. We're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So the, the burning of the earth, the fire and the, 
The melting of the elements is just the process that God is going to use to create new heavens and a new earth. He's going to destroy all wickedness and he is going to purify and he's going to bring forth new things. Revelation 21 and 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. So God is going to bring new heavens and a new earth, and, and heaven and earth will merge together as we will see. The new earth will be as physical as the present earth. There will be food and water and rivers and lakes Mountains and valleys, there will be homes and buildings and animals, fish and birds and trees and flowers and grass and so on. There will be a beautiful parks and, and an, an, an endless daylight, and the Bible says that there will be no night there. There will be absolute peace in the new earth. When, when Jesus Christ comes and creates new heavens and a new earth, uh, there will be animal life. And there will be peace there. The Bible says in Isaiah eleven sixty nine, the calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a little child will lead them all. The lion will eat hay like a cow. Even ferocious animals will become completely peaceful and docile. You will remember that in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, he created all the animal life, including human beings, to be vegetarians. He gave the plant life for food for all of the animal life. There was no death. There were no animals killing animals. There were no people killing animals. There were no people killing each other. There was no death. But when Adam sinned in the garden, he brought sin and death. And after the flood, after Noah came off the ark, God gave his approval for man to, to eat meat. And the animals began to, to eat each other. And then there was all of this hostility in the world that came about because of sin. Well, in the new heaven and the new earth, things will return to the way they were at the creation, where there will be no more killing, no more bloodshed. The animals will even be peaceful the lions will eat straw like an ox. And the lion and the lamb will lie down together. There will be peace on God's earth. Now let's talk about the New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem is heaven's capital city. There will be this crowning city for the, that will sit upon the new earth. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation 21 and 2, And I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Heaven and earth will merge. The new Jerusalem will be the capital city of the new earth. It will come down out of heaven like a, uh, a beautiful jewel, a huge, beautiful city that will come down in which the saints will dwell in. The city is designed like a giant golden jewel set with huge, Precious gemstones. The foundation of the city wall is constructed of these 12 precious stones and designed to be visible. The foundation is designed to be uh, visible, visible because uh, it is so beautifully made and made of such uh, beautiful 
gemstones. God will lavish his unlimited wealth upon his bride, the church, us. New Jerusalem is the wedding ring and the dream home all in one. And we will dwell there forever and ever with the Lord. The artists rendered the New Jerusalem as a giant jewel. The city is shaped like a cube, according to Revelation, extending 1,400 to 1,500 miles in every direction and 14 to 1,500 miles out into space. Imagine north, south, east, and west, uh, 14 to 1,500 miles in every direction and then out into space, 1,400 miles up, a huge cube-shaped uh, structure, city, that will rest upon the tallest mountain on the earth. Now, notice this. This city is so massive, it reaches out into space from the earth. Jetliners normally cruise at an altitude of six miles up, but the city reaches 14 to 1,500 miles up. If divided into floors, jet altitude would be near the bottom floors. Most people living in the city would look down on jet altitude. Now, I've flown in a lot of jets, and, and I know that uh, when I'm up in a jet, it seems to me like it's up higher than six miles, but uh, six miles up, and I'm looking down on the earth, and it seems like I'm so far up in, into the sky, but the the altitude that the jets normally cruise at is would be around the bottom floors on the New Jerusalem. Jet altitude is six miles up. Think of the city extending another 14, 1,500 miles up above jet altitude. Think of the views that you could, uh, you could take in from the top of the mountain. We have an example here of, of, the, of an illustration of how the, uh, the city would sit upon the earth. Uh, the new earth will have no seas, of course, and it may be much larger, but uh, the city will take up, will encompass, if it was sitting upon the United States, would encompass much, most of this entire country, from Canada down to Florida, and from New York beyond Colorado, it would just take up most of the space, uh, the area um, of this entire nation, and then extend 14 to 1,500 miles out into space, a massive, massive city. And we will live there, the people of God. The Bible says in Revelation 21, 24 through 27, the nations will walk in its light. And the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. There is no night there. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So it is a glorious city. It is coming in our future. We have much to look forward to. And the greatest of all these things is the fact that we will be with Jesus throughout eternity learning under his tutelage, and ruling the creation under him. We will enjoy all eternity in the prime of life, in an absolutely perfect world, with the God we adore, people we love, and things we enjoy. This is why Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure in a field and sold all he had 
to buy that field, Matthew 13 and 44. There is nothing in this world that is worth what heaven is going to be. There's nothing in this world that is worth our heritage, our inheritance with the Lord and the things that he has for us. Jesus had made all the arrangements for us. John 14, 2 and 3 says, In my Father's house are many mansions or rooms. If it, not, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So the Lord has made all of the arrangements for us. And he tells us in, in the, the Bible, through the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 3, that we should meditate on heaven. We should reflect upon what our future life is going to be like. We should read the scriptures and muse about our future. And when we do, it will encourage us, no matter what we're going through, we can remind ourselves that it's going to be better that I am going forward into something that is going to be much better than what I am experiencing now. Paul said this, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your minds on the realities of heaven. Think about the things of heaven, not things on the earth. So the Bible is telling us our thoughts should be on heaven. Our hearts should be on heaven. We should be focused on our future. That's not to say that we are not to enjoy this life. It's not to diminish the blessings that the Lord gives us in this life. But we should remember that this life is temporal, that we just have a few years here and then we're gone. But we'll be there forever. So we should set our affections on things above and not on things of the earth. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 18, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So our heart should be set upon our future with the Lord in heaven. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin by suffering and dying in our place and granting us eternal life. John 3.16 tells us that. And Romans 6.23 says that by placing our faith in Christ, we who were unrighteous are made righteous and granted the gift of eternal life. So we have ahead of us a glorious future if we have put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have not accepted the Lord as your Lord and Savior, if you have not put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, now is the time to do it. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to him in faith. Receive him into your life. And then you will have the gift of eternal life. That's the promise that God has made to us. It is sound. It is sure. And it is what ensures our future. Trust you've enjoyed this teaching. I want you to know that my book, Teach Me About Heaven, goes into much more detail than I've been able to present here. It's available on Amazon.com. 
or you can get it at www.emergecurriculum.com. Thank you for tuning in to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. We hope this program has benefited you in your Christian walk. For a free download of this program and to browse Dr. Sullivan's books, videos, and audio titles, visit our website at emergecurriculum.com. Please tune into our next teaching session on Vision Stream Network or listen on demand from our podcast.